Well, good morning, church. Last Sunday, if you were not here, we started a brand new summer series where we're focusing on this question, who did Jesus claim to be? I told you last week, it's interesting how the Gospel of John was written to answer that question, that John deliberately, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, John deliberately set out to answer that question, who did Jesus claim to be? To be. John wrote as a theologian to prove the deity of Jesus, and he also wrote as an evangelist to urge his readers to put their faith in Jesus and receive eternal life. And it's interesting how he made his case in the gospel. He used seven testimonies, seven miracles, and seven I am statements interspersed throughout the gospel of John to make his case as to who Jesus is. I told you last week about the seven miracles and the seven I am statements. I will highlight them again just in review. But let me begin by talking today about those seven testimonies. Again, just very, very briefly as we get into the message today. But throughout the gospel we call John, John quotes seven different witnesses who affirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. For example, in John chapter 1, verse 34, let's just look on the screen. John the Baptist said, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist said, well, I can give you testimony as to who Jesus is. And that was his testimony. The next one, Nathaniel. Nathaniel looked at Jesus and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And then the Samaritans, as a group, talking to Jesus one day, said, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Then Peter said in chapter 6, verse 69, Peter said, We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The healed blind beggar said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, that is, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Savior of the world. And he worshipped him. And then the next one was Martha, the sister of Mary and Lazarus. Martha said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And then finally, Thomas, the doubter, Thomas the apostle, said in chapter 20, my Lord and my God. He was in essence saying, I now believe you are the Savior of the world. And he declared him to be my Lord and my God. So John, as he's making this case and trying to answer the question, who is Jesus? John gives the testimony of seven different witnesses who declare who they believe Jesus is. And then John used seven miracles that Jesus performed. And this is what we talked about last Sunday, that Jesus did things in the Gospel of John that no mere man could do. He turned water into wine. He healed a sick boy who was near death. He fed 5,000 people using a small boy's lunch. He did things that only God could do. And John is using those miracles strategically, placing them in his gospel, seven different miracles, placing them in his gospel strategically to begin to help us understand who Jesus is by watching what Jesus did. The miracles were called miraculous signs, and these miraculous signs pointed to the identity and the power of Jesus Christ. And so John then takes those seven testimonies and those seven miracles And then he begins to talk about the seven I am statements where Jesus describes himself. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I am the true vine. So this summer, 
We're spending these summer months looking at those I am statements. And here's what we're going to see in the Gospel of John. John weaves the seven testimonies and the seven miracles and the seven I am statements together to make his case that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And so when you come to the end of the book, look how John writes at the end of the book. Chapter 20, verse 30 says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of of his disciples. That is, I know I've only written about seven. And if you read all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's probably about 34 to 37 miracles recorded in those four Gospels. And more than likely, he did many more than that. But John says, Jesus did a lot more miracles than this, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John is saying, here's the reason I I chose what I chose to put in the book. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So here's why we're studying the I Am statements of Jesus. I told you this last week, and I said we may say this every Sunday. Here's why we're saying it. While we're studying, when we know who He is, it has the potential to change who we are. So, that's what we're going to be looking at today. As we began looking at the I Am statements, last Sunday was just an introduction. Today we're going to look in John chapter 6, as Jesus declares Himself to be the bread of life. Would you open God's Word to John chapter 6, as Jesus declares Himself to be the bread of life. Chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Let me give you the context of chapter 6 before we begin reading. If you just want to look in your Bible, you can just kind of look at the front of of the, or first of the chapter. The first of the chapter, beginning in verse 1, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And and here's what he does. He he takes the lunch that, that was enough for a little boy, and he uses that to feed thousands of people. It was, it was a miracle, absolutely. He fed 5,000 plus their families, so maybe 15,000, 20,000 people he fed with that little lunch of that boy. And then, after he fed the lunch, people were so excited that he had performed this miracle, they wanted to make him king by force, according to verse 15. And so Jesus sends his disciples away. He does not want them to get called up into that. And verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, and they were getting in a boat to cross the other side of the lake uh, for Capernaum. And Jesus sees that they're struggling in a storm. He goes out to them walking on the water. Again, that's, I told you last Sunday, that's not something a mere man does. That's not something a great teacher does. That's not something a mere prophet does. That's something only God could do. And so he comes out to them on the water, gets in the boat, and, and they go to the shore there in Capernaum. Now, the people who had been fed, follow closely, the people who had been fed, the thousands of people who had been fed, They're looking for Jesus again. He fed them yesterday. Guess what? Now they're hungry again today. So they're looking for him. Verse 25. That's the context. Let's pick up the story. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? He answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now this is important. He said, you know, he said, you know why you're looking for me? It's not because you understand what happened yesterday. It's not because you know the significance of the miracle that I performed. You're back here looking for me again because you're hungry. You're, you want some more bread that I, like I gave you yesterday. Verse 26, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves 
and had your fill. Now, Jesus, the master teacher, is going to use that miracle that they're so interested in, that he performed yesterday. Jesus, the master teacher, is going to use that to teach them about who he really is. Verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils the food I gave you yesterday, but for food that endures to, to what kind of life? Say it to me. Eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of, of approval. And then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Believe in the one he has sent. If you haven't marked that in your Bible yet, if you didn't mark it last Sunday, mark it today. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Verse 30, so they ask him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna. They're talking about bread again, aren't they? They're, they're, they're stuck on this idea of bread. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Once again, they're talking about bread, and they talk about manna. You can read about manna later in Exodus chapter 16. It's how God fed his people in that day. He sent bread from heaven. He sent manna to feed him. Now, it's interesting that the Jewish rabbis taught that when Messiah came, he would duplicate the miracle of the manna. So they were saying to Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are who you say you are, then prove it by causing manna to fall from heaven again. We know that you fed us once. I want to tell you something. Moses fed us seven days a week for 40 years. So if you are who you say you are, make manna fall again. I mean, we know that you fed a large crowd yesterday, but let me tell you something. Moses fed an entire nation, millions of people. So if you are who you say you are, let manna come down from heaven again. Uh, in other words, you gave us ordinary bread yesterday, but Moses gave us bread from heaven. So if you are who you say you are, do it again. Let us see manna come down from heaven. I love the way Jesus responded to them. Luke verse 32, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the bread, the true bread from heaven. And he says, first of all, let me, let me clarify something for you. Moses didn't give the bread. It was God who gave it. Just want to make sure you get that clear, all right? It was God who gave that bread. And then he says in verse 33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven gives life to the world. Again, if you mark your Bible, what a key verse. Verse 33. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus wisely moves the discussion away from manna to a man. Son of God. The Living Bible says the true bread is a person who, the one sent by God from heaven, and he gives life to the world. Do you want to know why we do missions at Mount Airy Baptist Church? Do you want to know why we go all over the United States and all over the world? It's because we believe Jesus is the bread of life, and he can give life to everyone in the world. And we believe everybody deserves to hear about that. 
We are beggars who have found living bread. We need to tell other beggars who need living bread. So that's why we go out and do what we do. Now, they still didn't get it. Verse 34. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Uh, Lord, Lord, (laughs) that sounds pretty good, so give us this bread. Key verse, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Again, highlight Underline that verse in your Bible. I am the bread. I am the bread of what, church? Say it to me. I am the bread of what? Of life. Now, there's a backstory to this de- declaration. You might want to circle in your Bible in verse 35, circle the two words, I am. Because when the people heard Jesus say, I am, their ears probably more than likely perked up. You see, each of the I am statements, all the ones we'll be looking at this summer, each of the I am statements relate back to the Old Testament to a declaration that God made about Himself in the book of Exodus. You can turn there with me. Put your finger there in John 6 and go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Moses is in the desert in Exodus chapter 3 watching over the sheep and and he sees something he can't explain. He sees a burning bush that is not being consumed. And you know the story. He goes over to the burning bush, has an encounter with the living God. And the living God says, I'm concerned about my people who are enslaved in Egypt and I want you to go lead them out of slavery in Egypt. Look at chapter 3 verse 10. So now... Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So Moses wanted to know what to call this God that was sending him to Pharaoh. Look at verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. In in other words, I'm not saying that I'm going. I'm not promising promising you that I'm going. But suppose that I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? And what shall I tell them? Notice how God responds. For the first time in history, God answers the question, What is your name? For the first time in history, God answers the question. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am comes from the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah, and it is the covenant name for God. It is God's forever name, God's eternal name. You could translate it this way. When God said, I am, God was saying, I always have been, I always will be. I am eternal. You could translate it this way as well. I am who I am, I am what I am, and whatever you need, I am that. You see, God is a present tense God. He is the God who is I am. And so when Jesus used that name in John chapter 6, when He used the name and said, I am the bread of life, He was declaring something. And in case you think it's just a coincidence that Jesus used the name I am the bread, I want you to go to John chapter 8. Go back over to John. Go to chapter 8 verse 58. chapter 8 verse 58 he said I tell you the truth Jesus answered before Abraham was born I am 
Before Abraham was born, I am. You see, that's why Jesus could make the bold promise that he made in chapter 6, verse 35. What a promise this is. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And watch this. He who comes to me, will, watch this, will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Only God can make a promise like that. Can I get an amen? Before we move on into the story, there's one other thing about I am that you need to know. Something that's kind of interesting will help you cement in your mind that when he said, I am the bread of life, I am the true vine, I am the resurrection, he was referring to himself as God in flesh. The reason we know that is because of what I've said, but also in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, Right before, or before Jesus was born, they translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek. It's called the Septuagint translation. It was translated again before Jesus was born. The reason they translated it from Hebrew to Greek was because Greek at that, by that time had become the dominant language. People didn't read Hebrew as much. They didn't understand Hebrew as much. And the dominant language throughout the Roman Empire at that time was, was Greek. And so they translated the Hebrew Scriptures into the Greek Scriptures, and it was again called the Septuagint. Now, when the translators came to Exodus 3 and God declared Himself to be I Am, they translated that Hebrew word I Am into the Greek word Ego I Me. Say that with me. Ego I Me. Say it one more. Ego I Me. Remember the commercial, Let Go My Ego? That's how I learned it when I was taking Greek. That's how I remembered it. Lego my ego. Ego I me. Ego I me. Ego means I am. I me means I am. Ego I me. Well, wasn't he repeating himself? I am, I am. Yes. It was an emphatic declaration. Ego I me. I am, I am. Now, that's how it was translated again in the, ex, in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, Hebrew to Greek. When God said, I am, it was, in, in Greek, it was ego, I'm me. Now, let's run to John chapter 6. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And it was written in Greek. Guess what word he used when he said, when he said I am. He said, ego, i me. There were other words he could have used in the Greek language for I am. But he said, ego, i me. You know what he was saying? I am God in flesh. The God of the Old Testament, when He declared, I am, I am God in flesh. Now the reason that is important is because of what He offers us. He offers us something only God could offer. He offers us the bread of life, eternal life. So let's dig into the story a little bit more. Verse 36. Well, let's read verse 35 again to get the context. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven... Not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have what? Eternal life. 
eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this, verse 41, at this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? You know what the Jews were saying? They said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't come down from heaven. He came from Bethlehem. We know his mom and dad, for goodness sake. How can he say he's the bread that came down from heaven? And Jesus, Jesus responds in verse 48. We'll skip a few of the verses. Verse 48, this is what Jesus says in response. He says it again. He emphasizes it again. You might want to underline it again. I am the bread of life. Then he says, Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, and yet they died. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. You want to talk about manna? Let me tell you about the ultimate manna. Manna was simply an Old Testament picture of what Jesus would one day do. And what Jesus would one day be. I am the living bread, verse 51, that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live how long? Forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Again, look how the Jews responded. Verse 52, the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Scornful and derogatory, not understanding what he meant. Verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. Whoever eats of my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Now, uh, when you read that for the first time, it just sounds so grotesque, doesn't it? Eat his flesh, drink his blood. Of course the Lord was using symbolic language. We do that all the time, even today. We say, let me give you something to chew on. I don't expect you to chew on it. It's just, it's a symbolic phrase. Let me give you something to chew on. Or we say, tell you what, that's hard to swallow. So we use that kind of language even today. That's what Jesus was saying. He was simply using physical terms to express a, a spiritual truth. And the spiritual truth is that the, we can have an intimate relationship with Him when we believe in Him. L let me try to explain it to you this way. How many of you like bread? Now don't tell me it's not good for you. I don't want to hear that right now. All right, you're going to mess up my illustration. How, how many of you like bread? All right, we're among God's people. I can tell that for sure. Have you ever had bread at Outback? You know, they bring it to you, they bring you a whole loaf and they stick a knife in the top of it. Whew, son, that's good. Uh, maybe if Outback's not your thing, how about breadsticks at Olive Garden? Oh, yeah. If they're warm and fresh, bring it on, right? You just get the unlimited salad and breadsticks, and that's a meal. Uh, how, how, about, uh, how about yeast rolls at Old Charlie's? <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to hear some amens out there, I believe. And, and if none of that floats your boat, I, I'm going to get you with this. And how about a big plate of biscuits at Cracker Barrel? Now we're talking. You know, now, 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 whatever kind of bread you like, whichever one it may be, and I like all of them, as you can tell. But 
whatever it may be that you like, whichever bread you like, when they bring the bread to the table, man, it looks good and it smells good. But regardless of how good it may be, at that moment, while it's still on the plate and, and still on the table, it is external to your life. It's outside you. It's wonderful. Smells good. But it hasn't affected your life at all. No, it's only when you pick up one of those biscuits or you pick up a breadstick or you take a slice of that bread or that yeast roll. It's only when you eat the bread that it satisfies you. There's no satisfaction in looking at it. There's no real satisfaction in smelling it. It only satisfies you, watch this, when you take it in and eat it. And now suddenly that which was outside of your life now is in your life. Now that which was on the plate is now part of you. Jesus said, that's the way it is with me. I'm the bread of life. And he gives, this, he gives us this picture. He said, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's simply saying, listen, I can't remain on the outside of your life. If you want real satisfaction, I've got to become part of your life. You've got to let me into your life. It, so long as he's just somebody that you know about, so, so long as he's just somebody that you read about in the Bible, he's external to your life. So long as he's just somebody that you believe in, he's external to your life. But when you take him into your life, that's when you find satisfaction in life. He's the bread of life. Jesus was saying, just like you take food and drink within your body and it becomes a part of you, when you believe in me and receive me into your life, I become a part of you. That's when you find satisfaction. Now, let's see what happens. Verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this, watch this, he said this while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. Now, I've got to ask you a question, and, and I'm, I just, you don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about this for a moment. Is Jesus outside your life or inside your life? It's just like bread. It's either outside, it's on the table or it's in your belly. I mean, it's either part of you or it's not. Is Jesus outside of your life or inside of your life? The only way to have eternal life is when the eternal Son of God lives in you. Doesn't that make sense? We're finite people, and the only way to have eternal life is when the one who is eternal, the Lord Jesus, is inside of us. Now, you would think that after a message like that, people would be running to Jesus. According to verse 59, where did this take place? Where did this take place? The synagogue in Capernaum. The remnants of that synagogue are still there today. We've been there, and... And I wish, I wish I'd thought to put a picture up so you could, you could vision it or see it in, on the screen there. But, but the synagogue, he, he said this in the synagogue, and when he got done, you would, you would expect that the crowd of people would be coming forward. I mean, you'd expect a long altar call that day, right? I mean, I tell you what, revival broke out today. There's people all over the altar today. 
That's what you would expect because the one who is the bread of life declares, I am the bread of life. And if you eat from me, I'll satisfy you for all eternity. And, And he makes that invitation. And the response... Well, the response was just astounding. Look at verse 60. On hearing it, there in the synagogue, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Many of his disciples, not not just people in the crowd. Many of his disciples. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his, his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are what, church? They're life. Listen, they're life. Verse 65, or I'm sorry, yeah, verse 64. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time on, verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I want you to get the picture of what happened. Standing in the synagogue in Capernaum, teaching and declaring himself, I am the God of the Old Testament. I am God in flesh. I am the bread of life. I can satisfy your needs eternally. I can give you eternal life. And as he stood there and declared that, when he got to the end of it, he watched as the crowds walked out the door. As they literally turned their back and walked away from the bread of life. Is that astounding? They walked away. The crowd walked away. I've read the story several times this week. There is no account of anybody getting saved. There's no account of of a revival breaking out. They just walked away. So this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They rejected Jesus and they went back working and spending money for bread that could never satisfy. And then Jesus turned to his closest followers, the twelve that had followed him. Verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. Can you get this picture in your mind? He stood there. He has poured out his heart. He made this declaration for the first time. I am the bread of life. And then he watched people get up and turn their back on him and walk out the door of the synagogue. And as the crowd walked out and walked out and walked out, he looked at the twelve that were left. Probably with sadness in his voice, he said, You don't want to leave too, do you? I love what Peter said. Verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know what Peter was saying? Where would we go? Who else would we turn to? 
You have the words of eternal life. Peter had finally found out, listen to me, listen to me, there is no substitute for Jesus Christ. Peter said, who else would we go to? Where else would we turn? Who else has the words of eternal life? We're not leaving. Where would we go? Then he says, verse 69, we believe and know you are the Holy One of God. So I've, got, I've come today to ask you this question. Listen to me. Please answer this question, at least in your spirit, in your heart. Which group are you in? Which group are you in? Are you in the group that says, I have come to believe and I know you are the Holy Son of God? Or, are you in the group that hears the gospel you hear about the bread of life and you hear it Sunday after Sunday and you stand and you turn and you walk away from the bread of life. Every Sunday, I've seen it, every Sunday you turn your back on the invitation of God and you walk away looking for something to satisfy that hole in your heart. Which group are you in? Can I say to you that Receiving Christ won't make all of your problems go away, but it will solve your greatest problem. You've got to make sure you hear verse 35 before we close. That Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus satisfies our soul. First Baptist Church in Houston was going out into their community, much like we do on uh, Beyond the Walls or Love Loud. They're going out into the community to serve. And as they went out in the community, they had a group of people that were going door-to-door, visiting, praying with people, saying, how can we help you today? And as they knocked on the door, uh, of one gentleman, he came to the door, and they discovered very quickly he was blind. He was 76 years old. As they asked him, is there anything we can pray for you about? He said to them that he was being tested for cancer. And they certainly became concerned and they stood there and prayed with him. And prayed for God's healing. He eventually invited them in and said, why don't you come in and visit a while? And they came in and they sat down. They began to talk to this 76-year-old blind man. And found out he was raised in church. But he did not have a certainty that he would go to heaven. In fact, it became more and more evident as they talked to him that he likely did not have a relationship with Jesus. He talked about working hard to please the Master. He never would refer to Jesus by name. He always referred to him as the Master. And he talked a lot about working to please him, working hard to be a better person, working hard to live a better life, that kind of of, of talk. They let him share that, and then eventually they came around to sharing with him the good news, the gospel of God's grace. As he heard, for the first time in a long time, as he heard the gospel of grace, he began to weep. As he began to understand that he didn't have to try to please the master, as he began to understand he didn't have to try to live life good and become a better person, he began to weep as he heard that. And before long, he was on his knees receiving Jesus as his Lord and as his Savior. And as he prayed, he began to weep more and more. 
And finally, when he said amen, he turned to the group and said, it just feels like a, a load of bricks have been taken off of me. And then he began to weep again. And he began to say this over and over, all I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. 76 years old and blind, all I need is Jesus. Being being tested for cancer, he said, all I need is Jesus. Before, he wouldn't even say the name of Jesus. Now he was declaring, all I need is Jesus. You know what he found? He found the bread of life. I want you to find. Because only Jesus can satisfy our souls. I am, he said. Bread of life. Receiving Jesus won't make your problems go away. But it sure will solve your greatest problem which is your sin problem. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can work yourself to death trying to get there, but it's not going to happen. All you need is Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. But I've got to ask you one more time, like that bread he talked about, is Jesus outside your life or is Jesus inside your life? The answer to that question what I want you to focus on. Let me pray. Jesus said, He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Would you come to him today? Would you believe in him? Would you put your faith in him? There is no substitute for Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for whoever may be here today and they've never experienced the bread of life. They may believe in Jesus, they may know some things, they may read about Him in the Bible, but Jesus is still outside, external. I pray that today they would receive them, receive you into their hearts by faith and declare, Jesus, come live in me. Forgive me of my sin and be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to satisfy the longing of my soul. I want you to make me a different person. I want you to save my soul. I pray somebody today, Lord Jesus, will not walk out of the synagogue turning their backs on the bread of life. But I pray that they will be like Peter and says, we have come to believe and to know. You are the Savior of the world. And it's in His name I pray. Amen.